give me a minute. I just want that microphone. Okay, let's let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for the way that you use stories to teach us. And I pray that as we spend time looking at this story that Jesus told, that our hearts and minds would be changed. Amen. Okay, so if you've got a Bible, it would be really helpful to have it open. At Luke 18. If you haven't got a Bible, there are some here. Please feel free to come and grab one. Don't worry about disturbing me. Um, one of my first thoughts in reading this passage was it reminded me of a wedding I went to about 12 years ago. I love the speeches at the wedding and I really look forward to that bit. And for some reason I got in my head that the father of the bride, who I didn't know that this was going to be a great speech, but actually what happened is he, is he told a series of stories that went along the lines of, now, he said, now I'm going to tell you a story about the bride and spiders. He'd then tell a four or five minute anecdote where the punchline of which was the bride finding a spider. Now I'm going to tell you a story about the bride and boys, the punchline of which, after four or five minutes, was that she'd met a boy. And actually this passage here starts with, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Now, as a preacher, you've kind of, you know, it's quite nice to have that big reveal moment where you say, and this is what the passage is really about, but Luke, the author, has very much given the game away here. So if you remember anything from this talk, that this is a parable to show them that we should always pray and not give up. And Jesus loves to tell stories to make points. And there's always a balance to be sought in how much we want to kind of read into the detail of the story. I think you can over-extrapolate the metaphor sometimes. But there's some things in this story that are really clear. So we've got a judge. He is basically the kind of baddie of the tale. He's got all of the power. And we've got a widow who, in Jesus' time, that widow, especially in the stories of Jesus, is sort of shorthand for someone who is powerless. That widows might not have been able to own their own stuff. They wouldn't have been able to very easily fight their own corner. So a widow is, is shorthand for anyone that feels powerless. And if you've ever felt on the wrong side of justice, if you've ever felt the victim of injustice, then powerlessness, is definitely one of the things that you might feel. And it's also important for us to notice that in this example of being persistent in prayer, that what the widow is asking for again and again and again is justice. And we can see from the Old Testament consistently throughout that justice is something that is really deeply on God's heart. It is part of his character. It is part of who he is. But I think it's probably reasonable when we're talking about being persistent in prayer to think that we can also apply this to other things that we know are on God's heart. When we're persistent in prayer for people coming to know Jesus, when we're trying to be persistent in prayer for healing or wholeness or the kingdom of God growing. But this is about being persistent in prayer for things that are really on God's heart and justice is a really good example of that. And she's also seeking justice against an adversary. There's a feeling of this being quite an everyday sort of situation. 
and the song we sang, God of Justice, which I love, it's a great song, but it sort of says in the chorus, you know, that we need to go and seek justice. But to me, perhaps a more helpful phrase is, as we go, we need to seek justice in our everyday lives. And for many of us, things will come to mind of everyday situations where we're trying to seek justice. It might be that you don't think that this is relevant to you. That actually we do live in a very privileged society where many of us have access to everything that we need, that our wealth and connections mean that we aren't the victims of injustice. Perhaps we're even benefiting from it. But for many people around the world, but also in our town and in our church family, they'll know what it feels like to be the victim of injustice. If you, I spent some of this week chatting to a group that supports the mums of children with autism. Those mums know what it's like to feel like the victim of injustice, to have to fight for your children's rights to be included and to have education. I've sat with friends in PIP interviews, which is um, a procedure you have to go through to claim a personal independence payment, a disability benefit. I've sat with people through those interviews where, to be honest, what they've said has been taken out of context and they've not got what they should be entitled to because what they've said has been taken wrongly. They're the victim of injustice. That this is something that happens in our church family and in our town, as well, of course, as all around the world. And we all have a kind of instinctual grasp of what justice is. I was watching... um, Isaac earlier who felt quite wronged by something and he was angry and actually my kids get furious with me. I might very much disagree on what the just thing is in that situation but children know they have a, a strong sense of justice which is one of my euphemistic ways of talking about my children when they have a strong sense of justice. Basically it means they lose the plot if they don't get their way. But innately we have that sense of justice because we're made in the image of God. So looking at this this passage that's teaching us that we should always pray and never give up, we need to ask some questions about why. It's obvious that justice is important, that it matters to God, that we should pursue justice, but why should we keep praying for it rather than just working for it? Well, Jesus here uses this kind of storytelling technique of I don't know what the technical term is because I studied chemistry type stuff rather than story type stuff, but kind of exaggerated opposites. He shows you what God definitely isn't as a way of showing you what God is. So this judge in this story, there's a phrase that keeps getting repeated about him that he neither feared God nor cared what people thought. So as we look at the judge and what he is, we can see what God isn't. See, when we talk about, when the Bible talks about fearing God, that's not an emotional response to God, about being afraid of God. The feeling of it is much more about having a respect for God, of knowing who God is, of knowing his power, of knowing that he is just, of respecting his rules and knowing that there are consequences of not obeying him. That's what it is to fear God. And when it talks about not caring about what people think, Now, I don't think that this is about public relations. This isn't about God's brand or God's image. I think it's about the judge doesn't care what people think. There's no accountability for him. 
He doesn't care if people think he's a terrible judge. Perhaps he got this position of power um, through corruption, or he got into the position of power and then can't be taken down. He doesn't care what people think of him. There's no accountability. And so the opposite of that is God, who deeply cares about keeping his promises, about doing what he says. I don't think it's just about PR, because there are so many times particularly in the Gospel, where Jesus gets offered this opportunity, go and preach there, that'll be really good for your image, and Jesus turns away to spend time with God. So I don't think it's about brand, it's about it's saying that God cares about what people think he is accountable. And then another thing that we can notice about the judge that is the opposite of God it says, even though I fear God, I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Now, apart from this slightly daft image of this very powerful judge being frightened that this presumably quite tiny and frail widow is going to come and attack him, he's acting out of fear. And that's the opposite of God. Because God doesn't act out of fear. God always acts out of love. And so we need to be persistent in prayer for justice, for the kingdom to grow. It's because of who God is, because he keeps his promises, because he loves justice, because he cares about every individual, that everyone is made in the image of God and should be treated like that. That God cares about the rules and he acts out of love. Now there isn't any question in this passage that the judge has the power to act at any time. Once he chooses to act, he just does. And that's something that is the same as God. There's no doubt that God has the power to answer any of our prayers at any time. There are um, hundreds of examples in the Bible of God's complete and total power. That if God hasn't answered prayer, it's not because he's not powerful enough. And I think it is important that we ask that if God is always loving, if he's always caring and if he's always powerful, then why don't we see our prayers answered? It says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep picking them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Now I believe this because it's in the Bible and I think it's true and we all need to take on this truth. But we also need to acknowledge that there are times when that doesn't match up with our lived experience of praying for something. And I don't know what the answer is. But I do think it's helpful if we share stories as a family, not just of when prayers have been answered, but of when we're still wrestling, when we're in that place where we don't understand at the moment. We need to share those stories and help each other through them. But part of the answer... He's in this very last sentence. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? It's important when we're talking about we need faith. We need to believe in Jesus, in his power, in his care, in his love. We need faith for prayer to be answered. But it's not that there's some kind of secret threshold of faith that we need to get above. It's not that if we've just got enough faith that prayers will be answered. And if they haven't been answered, it's because we haven't got enough that Jesus says, if you've got faith as small as a mustard seed, then you can move mountains. And sometimes those questions of, have you got enough? Do you believe enough? 
I don't think they're the kind of questions that God asks. I think they're the kind of questions that enemy asks. Are you good enough? Do you believe enough? Have you got enough faith? That God is a God of grace. He's a God of having faith the side of a mustard seed and moving mountains. But I know for me, for, for my experience of trying to live faithfully and bring about justice and mercy in my community, that it's quite easy in some ways to do the working bit, but it's harder to remember the faith bit. That there's a call in this to be persistent, to keep going, but to keep going in prayer and to have faith, to expect. And so as I've been preparing this, it's already changed the way that I do things, that as you know, the meeting that I mentioned with this group that supports parents of autistic children, that I said to them, what is it that you would love to see in Stafford? What's your dream? And for them, their answer was, we'd love to see um, a service that meets the needs of these children. So I'm going to go and pray for that. I'm going to try and pray for it every day this month. I'm going to expect to see God change things. And I'm going to start asking more people, what would you love to see? What's, what's the big picture? What's the dream? And to pray for that, to tell people that I'm going to pray for it, and to expect. Because I can do work, I can do hard work and plodding through. And I think that probably as a church, we're really good at faithfully plodding through and keeping going. But we have to keep reminding ourselves and keep reminding each other that it's not just about being persistent, it's about being persistent in prayer. It's about having faith that it's God's job to do this stuff, it's God's job to change things, it's his power and it's his love and it's his care. And as we look through the Gospels, Jesus affirms faith in people more than any other characteristic, more than any other personality trait, more than gentleness, more than patience, more than love or kindness or politeness or their ability to cue nicely or what kind of quiche they make for the church lunch. He's about faith. That believing that I see you, Jesus. I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that you've got the power you say you have and the love that you say you have and the care and the compassion. And that walking and persisting in that work but with the expectation that it's God who's going to act and bring about justice and quickly for his chosen ones. And so we need to consciously ask for a deepening faith a brave faith. Because if you've prayed for something again and again and again and haven't seen it answered, it feels frightening. It feels vulnerable to ask again. It's like asking for help and not getting it is a, is a frightening thing. It puts people off wanting to ask again. But we need to ask God for more faith, for deeper faith. And that as we do that, that's not going to be in any way taking us away from pursuing justice and working for justice. Because as we have a wider view of who God is, of his power, of his love, of his care, the bigger that God is to us, the more deeply we're going to care about people who carry his image not being treated as they should. 
And I want to finish with one verse that's um, very relevant, but has been a real challenge to me uh, recently. And I don't know what each of you do in your daily lives, but if you have anything to do with any kind of public sector organisation, probably the corporate environment as well, and maybe even some charity church stuff, that there's a lot about targets and about being able to measure things. And there's value in that, and I love a bar chart as much as the next person, probably quite a lot more than the next person. But actually, God's asking us to do something different here. He's asking us to have faith. And this is a verse from Ephesians 3. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ, during all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And as that verse was written in the first you know, century church, we can already see that answer. Here we are, generations down, throughout all generations. Be glory in the church. Here we are, we're on almost the other side of the world from them. Generations now, glorifying Jesus. This prayer is being answered. And so for those of us who are working hard and being persistent as we should, praying for justice in our families, in our communities, in our world, as we should, we need to remind ourselves that God can do immeasurably more. So I'm going to finish in prayer and I just want to invite you to... Let God bring to mind a situation of injustice. It might be somewhere else in the world. It might be a tribunal that a friend's going through at work. It might be someone trying to claim something that they're entitled to or restore a relationship. Just let God bring that to your mind and we're going to pray. Father, help us to be persistent in prayer, to keep going in prayer. Not because of who we are, but because of who you are. Because you are powerful and because you love us and because you care. Because it matters to you when people made in your image are treated as less than human. Widen our our minds and our hearts and help our eyes to see more of who you are. And that as we do that, help us to keep being persistent to expect and to have faith. Amen.